Off the ball. Does Lampard understand what his role is here? Oh, well, I've only been here a couple of days, you know. I can't sort out all the problems in that time. And you still think you're not here to sort out the problems? Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. Welcome along. It is the Hurling Pod with thanks to Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship and the Legends Tour Series at Croke Park. Delighted to say I've got James Skell and Paul Murphy with me ahead of the start of the Championship. Leinster and Munster get underway this weekend. How are you getting on, lads? Great, lads. Fabulous. Right, Murph, do you want to tell us where you went on holidays? Because people did notice last week you weren't in your normal background. The painting was not over your shoulder. You were clearly abroad. But we kept you secret so that your lawnmower wouldn't be robbed. Yeah. And you've, and you've come back to a lawnmower. I have. My lawnmower's still there, yeah. So in fairness to you, you kept your word. So yeah, yeah. Thanks a million for that. Just Perhaps about. For this. I swear, just about. Hey, what was the, what was the big thing you really wanted to tell people? I was going to spill the beans. Everyone, take his lawnmower. I'll buy that for you. Just take it. <laughs> it's not worth robbing. I'll tell you that much. It's not worth robbing. Is this what, the 15th honeymoon at this stage you're away on? I think it's about the 15, 16, 20 moon, is it? I'm not sure. Well, that's what Skettle calls. If I go away for a weekend, that Skettle is just in my ear. That yeah, but I see, see like yeah. a normal person like like me, right, will go away to... Oh, stop you there. Normal Clare. person like you. Yeah, yeah. normal person would go to Clare and Cork. You head off to... <laughs> normal person would go to Clare. Maldives. <laughs> <laughs> I have to haul you up on that straight. A normal person like me. Who calls you a normal person this well, day and age? When I look in the mirror, I call myself a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> was it Mauritius uh, or the Maldives? Uh, Scale at this point has said Mauritius so often, I've a sneaky feeling it is the Maldives. No, it's the other way around. It was Mauritius. But right. Skettle then got on to me during the week. Uh, you were there when we were recording and he said, oh, I have a, I have a pal out there. I'll, I'll let him know. <laughs> pal wasn't within 3,000 miles of me. I'd say. He was on a different island. So Skettle's geography now. And let's go to Clare Cork. Maybe you should expand your horizon there, Skettle, the small bit. Oh, forgive me. We're going to link the two of us in together and we probably weren't even in the same hemisphere. <laughs> I know, just, all I know is that it began with the letter M. Okay. <laughs> and it the letter S. It could have been in Morocco. Yeah. Moldova, uh, anywhere. Yeah, but Plus, you're both back and it's great to have you back, Paul. Thanks very much, Barry. Thanks a million. Well, there you go. I had a not too dissimilar experience of the weekend where I had a text from a friend of mine who said, my buddy is chatting to you in Westport at the moment at the stag you're at. While I was sitting in Dublin going, Nope, it's not me. <laughs> so apparently, some guy was getting pints saying they were me in Westport at a stack. Jesus, free, free pints? I don't know if they were free, but he was definitely getting in on some rounds. Well, and uh, effort per- if he does. Yeah, apparently he was uh, at a stag with awfully people, allegedly. And uh, your man was talking away, apparently asking about off the ball and a few other things. And he was supping away the free pints. So whoever this impersonator is, I can only give you credit for uh, keeping up that charade for as long as you did in Westport at the weekend. You probably owe me a couple of pints for the free ones you've got. There was awfully people in their presence, in his presence, was there? Allegedly so. But sure, they they might not have been at all. They should know better now. And she's one of their most famous sons. Well, they, they might not me, have been Muffley at all. This guy could no. have been an absolute chancer who said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm the guy who you think, who I think, who you think I am. Three points, please. <laughs> and it worked. He was obviously able to bluff long enough to get a couple of rounds by the sounds of it and text a mate of mine and go, oh, your buddy is actually here with us in Westport. And I was there going, no, nah, I'm actually about to go home now at the moment from work. But yeah, I presume I could be in Westport, yeah. <laughs> so good luck to him. Uh, this weekend's great, though, because we've got a nice little build-up. What I like... Paul about going into this weekend is that we had a little bit of a break after the league final we're able to get that bit of anticipation ahead of championship and now you kind of look at it and you look at the games that we have this weekend and 
I'm going to get round to somebody saying on the YouTube that Leinster is the Europa League, so you can both take offence to that. And you've got the Munster Championship this weekend. It's all building up really nicely. Yeah, it is. And there's the, you know, the few games they're trying to pick through what's going to be the most interesting ones and the home and away matches and different things. Um, you know, also we're trying to, we're getting to the stage now, we've spoke a lot about what teams have learned through the league. We're going to look into this weekend and to see, did teams learn anything? Who learned what? You know, the likes of some people are saying that Clare came into the championship last year, maybe, you know, just not having taken a whole lot from the league and just ambush someone. Is someone going to come out of the woodwork and just ambush teams? Are teams going to keep their form? You know, there are so many questions. Um, and I think there is enough matches there as well to learn a nice bit from this weekend. Now, we could jinx, jinx ourselves. Hopefully not. There was a good few dead rubbers during the league. But I just think championship, look, it's a cliche, but it, it, it is different. It is different. And this idea now that teams, box and clever coming into big games, it's a lot harder to do now. Uh, teams just want form at the moment. They want momentum and they want momentum that will carry them hopefully to a Munster or Leinster final or at least get the qualification. So, look, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot to pick through, but it's, you know, look, re- really looking forward to the weekend. Well, Skell, this is where we get to a really bad impression for a couple of minutes of the Examiner podcast. And I ask you about horse racing getting mixed into the hurling pod. Because again, you want us to keep it on the QT just in case you went to entry for Saturday. We are on the pod last week because I was all mad keen to go. Mm-hmm. I see Flooring Porter's got an entry again for the uh, Liverpool hurdle. Maybe there's a chance that Skell's going to be at entry. Maybe he won't be here on Monday when we decide to sit down and do the pod on Monday evening. <laughs> but you did not go across to watch Flooring Porter this time round. And again, Flooring Porter placed but didn't win. Yeah, I didn't go. Um, if I give you the reason I didn't go, I'd never hear the interview from Murph. But let's just say I was being a good husband. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> now you may as well let the listeners know, because you've told us this before, that when you came back from Cheltenham after Flooring Porter's win, how many days did you spend in the spare room? Um, it was single digits. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, this is the explanation. So when I sat down, I said, you know what, I will actually confer with my wife now and ask her her opinion, confer. which was the first bad move I, I thought, right? And I said, you know what, she'll think, I'm into this, I like the horse racing, I'm going over with my family to see the horse, and she'll probably, you know, she'll say, go, do it, yeah, you deserve it, yeah. So she goes, you shouldn't go. And I said, why? She goes, because you're absolutely useless when you come back for a week. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not minding two kids every pregnant for a week while you lay about do nothing. And you know what, I got a bit of guilt, I won't lie. So I said to the family, lads, count me out this one, leave me out, <laughs> I better stay at home. <laughs> That's the truth. I know, bad admission on my behalf, but hey, I'm, I'm big enough to admit it. There's a series alone in GA husbands and their bad behaviour and getting in trouble with their wives. And I think we'd get an episode out of your stories alone, Scale, if we were to look at it. Well, them. do you know what? She, she is, I'm with uh, Grace and I together for uh, like all through my county career. Mm-hmm. And she got used to me being, you know, disciplined and say, not going out for X amount of time throughout the year. And then when I finished, she thought that was going to be a continuation of same. Wrong. Right. <laughs> now she's like, hey, 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 you, you got to go back to the way you were before, only going out five or ten times a year, max. Just, <laughs> you can't be going to tell them an entry and all this within three weeks span. So, yeah, there's probably a book, a series, a movie, and a Netflix special. <laughs> No. the life of county players yeah I apologise to anyone who has tuned in and went oh we're going to get hurling preview material right off the top of this podcast but now yeah. you've brought me down a tangent scale which we can ask Murphy about as well you 
and your good wife, as you mentioned, have been together pretty much since you, because I don't know how many people will be aware of this, but you told a Lucknan story when we were in Limerick at the roadshow that you had just met your wife around about that time when Lucknan yeah. had yeah. become the Galway manager. So good memory, been, William. Good memory. It's not bad now, is it? So yeah. you've been together all that length. So that was very early on in your Galway career, right through to the end of your career. Yeah. I wonder, is it tricky to be a GAA spouse? Because you just said, like, all the times it's tricky, the amount of times you're away training, at games, the disciplined lifestyle, and probably the disciplined diet, and yeah. I would say the awkwardness after games as well. It's probably not an easy thing for her to have gone through over a decade with you while you were an inter-county hurler. Yeah, sure. So that, that, that year would have been 2007, Will. So, she, so I went, that was my first year at Galway. And so obviously we're together since. And I think up to, there was a wedding we attended together, let's call it in season. Let's mm. call it in hurling season. Uh, that was the first wedding we attended together, and we're together sixteen years. Was was only about two months ago, in hurling season. So that'll tell you the amount of, I suppose, events, weddings, you know, stag do's, whatever you want to call them. Let's say have been missed. Um, but yeah, but again, she like, and she knew, she knew, she knew the score, right? Because I, I said it to her for early days that this is going to be, let's say, my life for the next, hopefully, next ten years. You know, all mm. going well. And that if you're signed up for it, you're signed up for that too. And she did. So and that, I think that's part and parcel of everyone who's, as you said yourself, a spouse in the GA circle. It's just they, I won't say they play second fiddle, but they understand that there's a, there's a goal or there's another life outside of your personal life that needs as much attention <laughs> as, as she does. Yeah. I mean, look, to be fair, Scott will bring Murph in this because he almost did it opposite with his marriage coming towards the end of his inter-county career. But like, that's a vital support system to have as well, isn't it? Yeah, huge. I think, for, I think everyone would agree that. I think if you're in any circle, whether it be a, a parent, a sister, a brother, you, you need a good support structure. And without that, like you're struggling. Because there are times, you'll have, up, you'll have ups and downs, especially like if you had the type of career I had, let's say, with injuries and losing place and getting place back, etc. You, you do need physical support is one thing, but you need emotional support too. And like that's the best person to provide that to, to, to you is your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is. So she was, I, I would say, and I, I mean this honestly, she was, she was vital to me throughout my, my whole career. Mm. Thankfully, because Murph, generally the age of the intercounty hurler at the moment, the average age is coming down. It's getting younger and younger. And I remember yeah. even going back a few years ago, they talked about the Limerick panel and the amount of guys who weren't married on that panel. And going back to Clare, I think in 2013, where it was very much a young core group of lads, quite a few of them not that long out of college, that were going on to win an All Ireland Championship. In a kind of a slightly different situation to scale, you got married towards the end of your intercounty career. Yeah, yeah. Um, look again, I suppose it's uh, you know, Aideen was there for for half of the career, and certainly with you know, as Kevin has said there, like you know, it's it's not easy. In, in certain parts, it's brilliant. In other parts, it's it's definitely not easy. And a lot of lads will tell you, obviously enough, um, unless you're winning, you know, you're going to have a good few bad days. And it's those bad days, like for a player in particular, maybe management and stuff as well. Like supporters will go to a game and lose. And let's say you go home and you kind of forget about it maybe on the way home and whatever. But for players, it could be three or four days of a hangover in terms of emotional hangover involved. And like that's at home as well. And especially like the likes of All-Ireland Finals, you know, myself and Skell have lost All-Ireland Finals. And that's a, a very emotional thing to go through when you're, when you're um, you know, when you step off the pitch and you're back into your normal life. You still have to go about your work and your, and, and your life. And the supports there are you know, it's enormous to have support there. And particularly towards the end of my career, there wasn't as many of winning days coming. So certainly, you know, having the support of, of, of aiding there was huge. But um, yeah, it's, it's look, it's something, the, the age profile is coming down. It's understandable. I know certainly from talking to lads as well, 
a big part is the commitment is enormous now. And it, I mean, it was enormous when I started. It was enormous when Scale started. It's probably, if anything, grown even bigger again. Um, but certainly, I think a lot of players look at it from a point of view. I'd say a reason that the age is also coming down, not only from a physical point of view, but from a living your life point of view. You know, I certainly know that, you know, even actually for touching on it at the start of this, where you're saying, how many honeymoons have I gone on? You know, once I decided I was finished with Kilkenny, we very much looked at it and said, what are all the things we haven't done and hopefully would want to do before and, and let's try and do it before we can like before it's too late. Um and let's go and enjoy ourselves and make no apologies. So that's a part of it as well. So I would say as much as the physical element, which certainly is a part of it for the reason the age is coming down, but it's also a part players know that there's a big world out there that you can actually go and do things and experience things and you know step away from it because at the end of the day, like the old saying it is an amateur sport we're not coming away as millionaires from it by any means um, and there is things you want to do so there's lots with it but you know to answer your question you, you do need that support and it's a lonely place at times if you don't have that support because you have to deal with a lot of stuff and you, you do need an outlet certainly if you want to I suppose get over things or maybe a bit of support there as well mm-hmm. Scale on a total aside have you got your fancy hurling team together because I oh, put the effort to put mine in <laughs> But I think the deadline for changing is right up towards the end of the week. So did you actually get your team in? Uh, admission? I haven't. I've forgotten about it. Uh, despite uh, the fact I saw a flooring, a flooring Porter team in there somewhere. So you have an account? I have an account. I just didn't do a, a team revision. So I have to put some deep thought into this. So you don't either, though. This is the thing. Like, no, see, so you do. See, you, you guys are going to be No, 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 no. See, the thing is, I, I submitted. See, I'm at least a bit of timekeeping. I sent it into the boys in Fantasy Hurland. They sent me back my little graphic there. I'll put it up actually after we record this. But is that going to be the team I have on Friday? No, it's not. Hmm. In fairness. Like, you want to box clever here now. I don't think, like, Anthony Daly isn't putting up his team. And he does well each time. I don't do as well, obviously. See, but. Do you know what happens to me, Murph? Right? I put yeah. all my thought. See, today's, today's Monday, obviously. I put all my thought into this team. And I, I know this. Here I am saying the words. So I've obviously realised it. <laughs> I put all my thought into the team today and tomorrow. And I'd forget about them before the teams are named. <laughs> <laughs> right <there. laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what I, what I end up doing is, you know, you look at some team later in the stage is knocked out and you forget to change your team. And these boys are still in it holding you down with no points because they're kind of dragging you down yeah. I always forget to do that whatever chance I had gone that's it Yeah. I think I like, need to put a reminder on my phone or something I put in my team today <clears throat> good I, I promise this time around I'm not going to make the same mistake I made last year which was I missed the deadline just after the provincial finals mm-hmm. and I think I scored nothing pretty much in the round after that in the quarterfinals and I gave up <laughs> at that stage I just literally went I'm too far behind screw yeah. this so yeah. let's, 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 let's put some skin in the game now between the three of us. Go on. Go on. Okay, what's, so whoever finishes out on top between the three of us, there has to be some sort of prize or award or forfeit or something. We can work, we can work out a side pot. We don't have to answer it now. But I was going to say, well, we could, uh, if listeners want to suggest something there, something creative. No, not outlandish, but creative. Yeah, and legal. Go. Make sure it's legal, please. <laughs> <laughs> Since when has that ever come into it with you? Never. <laughs> what I was going to suggest with no commitment, but for the overall league, because I will stick it back up again, but I had the graphic up with our league invitation and everything on it towards the end of last week. And I'll tweet it out from my own account and from the Off The Ball account. Uh, it's Monday now. I'll put it out on Monday evening again if you want to join ahead of this weekend. I'll get on to Borgosh and let's see if Borgosh Energy can give us a few prizes from you know, the hurling goodies and the uh, bit 
bits and pieces that they put together. I'm hoping we can put a bit of a goodie bag together. Um, between the three of us, I think it needs to be something more personal. Maybe it's when we do the road show, the person who comes last has to buy the pint set or something. Or whoever's last going into that round. Yeah, could be. That's a bit easy in fairness. I know there'd be an All-Ireland final to come around. It's easy with the amount of pints you probably drink, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> you, you also have to cover the cost of chairs being broken. That's the other side of it. So it's you have to put the entire bill. I'm bringing my own chair. A high chair is what you need now. I, I anticipated a, a deck chair coming to Dublin with him uh, for this uh, podcast later in the year. Right. Um, let's kick into it then and have a look at this weekend because there's a lot at stake. I don't know which way you want to do this. Do you want to look at the games, lads, or do you want to have a look at who's going to come out of the provinces and then we can go from there? Your, your call here. See, the games are tricky because like, I know there's five games on uh, in between Munster and Leinster, mm-hmm. but realistically, to be honest, in my opinion, there's only two of them that are competitive. Mm, yeah. It, sounds, it, might, it may sound harsh. I know. On, on, so are you on saying that Wexford aren't going to be competitive against Galway? Oh, no, I'm saying I'm saying that can't, a little different, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying Galway and Wexford will be competitive and and clear and tip. I'm not I don't I'm not sure what for Limerick. You don't want to count from Dublin will be competitive. Yeah, I'm saying that from Dublin. Mm-mm. You don't think so? No. I was I was joking by the way before anyone in Galway or Wexford comes after me for that. Don't worry, I'm looking <laughs> after you myself. <laughs> yeah. I think I think Antrim Dublin will definitely be competitive. I think uh, Clare and Tipperary is going to be game of the weekend. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not writing off Waterford against Limerick, but all evidence would be that Limerick are playing really well. So, do you want to do the I, do you want to do the who's coming out then scale first, and we can yeah, do the games I, after? I agree that. with you. I don't think Waterford are going to get within seven points Limerick. Okay. I've 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 all this written down. I think Clare and Tip. I actually can't call that one. Yeah, very tough one. Yeah, especially with the game being Innes. Innes is a, is, a, is a fabulous venue for for Clare. They seem to be always happening there with the crowd as well. And from yeah. Dublin, I see Dublin winning by four points or more, minimum, minimum. I know it's Corrigan Park. I get that. I know it's it's you know, a difficult place to go. Hmm. But do you not see? Do you, do you reckon Antrim can turn, turn them over? Antrim would be a bounce. It's always a chance. You know? it's always a chance. Yeah. Obviously, but yeah. Yeah, probably just about fancy Dublin, but I wouldn't be totally surprised if Antrim won. No. Yeah, like Dublin hasn't fully convinced me either at this stage. That's the other the other side of it, you know. And Antrim, if they just get their backs up, you know, go into half time, very little in the game, be it Antrim up or Antrim down few points you know Dublin starts to swell a small bit then it gets a bit cagey so like I just think it's just the element of lads looking over the shoulders now with championship like Dublin look at that game now saying we need to come away with points from that game if we've any you know if we've serious you know plans to go and qualify here mm-hmm. and then suddenly they're not out of the woods in the game and Antrim smell blood and Antrim will be looking at, the, at that game going that's the game that we're looking to take points from and huge scalp for them and even just going forward, creating a platform for them for future championships as well. Like, you know, yeah. take little markers like that. So it's just think, you know, like if you were to ask me now, I would say, yeah, look, Dublin, Dublin by probably five points. That's if, if you were to ask me to name the colours of mass now, I'd say that. But to be sitting here next Monday and go enormous win for Antrim, winning by two or three, that's not, that's not crazy either. Like, mm. No, it's well, not Dublin by five. I agree with you there. All right. Mm. Well, let's, let's go wider picture then to start, right? So Terence Buckley on the YouTube last week, KK a soft touch this was off the league final and Whoa. then he made the comment which was the Great Leinster start. Championship <laughs> is like the Europa League it is a secondary competition so Murph do you want to tackle that first uh, before we pick who's going to come out of Leinster this idea that the Leinster Championship is that inferior to the Munster Championship the Munster Championship is in the rarefied air of being the Champions League and the Leinster is a step down it's the Europa League instead I, I don't yeah I don't get the I don't get the thinking behind it though. Like, I mean, I don't think anyone's disagreeing that 
Leinster isn't as competitive as Munster. Like we all agree that. But for me to say that it's like as if to say, oh, it's Europa League and it's a whatever, like that you're throwing shade at it or something. For me, that's the kind of attitude of when you have a supporter who nearly rather see their rivals lose than their own team win. Like is it in Munster's brilliant, fantastic. But, you know, we have Galway and Kilkenny competing really hard towards the end of last year. Okay, they may not be as widespread, but the one thing you have to look at Leinster, as we're saying here every week, is that, you know, Leinster are actually the one that are progressive in terms of bringing other teams in. If Galway were still sitting up on Connacht, Munster wouldn't have taken them in. And, you know, Antrim as well, you know, we're seeing Westmead and these starting to flourish in it. Okay, it's not as competitive, but, like, the idea that you have to go, it's the Europa League and it's whatever... I don't know. I don't. I don't get what the sentiment is behind it. Um, certainly, I think any team who comes out of Leinster entering into an All Ireland Championship would potentially be fresher than a team coming out of Munster. All Baron Limerick, every other team coming out of Munster will have endured that bit of a harder run. Absolutely, but the idea where if you're saying, "Oh, it's a disgrace," or that it's, I don't know. Like, I, I can't see how you compare that the Europa League is like Leinster. It's, it's not the. To qualify for either is not on the same grounds, you know. So it's um ah yeah, look, I don't I don't I wouldn't I don't know why you'd want to demean the Leinster Championship like that. Like any team, if Galway look at the moment we're looking at Galway and Kilkenny potentially being the team to come out, either team wins that Leinster Championship, they'll be absolutely delighted that their plans are on track and it'll be a big win. So um yeah, look, I suppose if you want to call Munster the Champions League, happy enough, but the idea that Leinster isn't serving its purpose at the moment is eh, I don't know about that. Before James comes in on that, what do you think of the idea of Kilkenny being a soft touch? Kilkenny <coughs> being a soft touch. Well, can I answer that? That's yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Like, see, Murphy will give a, a, a big speed. That's bullshit. <laughs> well, I was going to say bullshit, yeah. No, it is bullshit. It's bullshit. Like, Kilkenny being a soft touch. Like, have Kilkenny ever been a soft touch in their history? No. Well, this is it. Like, and again, it's, it goes back to what I'm saying of that. It was said in the same breath of saying that Leinster is like the Europa League. Like, both sentiments are said with more of a disdain than anything. Like, Kenny are a soft touch. They stood two points short of Limerick last year in the All Ireland final. And, uh, like, yeah, I just think it's, again, it, it, that, that whole co- comment is coming from a place of kind of disdain. I'd actually say jealousy, to be honest. I'd actually say it's coming from a point of view of say Kenny are a soft touch, grounded in no basis whatsoever in terms of any fact. I mean, ball, bar, Limerick um, this year, every team had ups and downs within the league. Um, you know, I don't see where the grounds to say is Kilkenny or soft touch. Un- unless this fellow is from Limerick, his team's probably a soft touch if that's the case as well. So I don't know. What's the, what's the bar for soft touch? It's bullshit anyway that Kilkenny are anyway. Well, editorially, if I'm making a promo for this week's episode, it is going to be, Murph's about to give us a spiel, but you know what? That's just bullshit. That will definitely be there. The morning that we clicked there this week. What do I do to myself every week? There you go. My, my editorial hat came on the minute I heard you start you, that. Did you ever notice that if, you, if you're on Twitter or one of these these platforms, and let's say a soccer fan from across the pond puts up something about his own team, mm. straight away you'd have opposition teams just crapping all over, no matter what mm. it is, whether mm. it's a positive kind of positive picture or a statement or a result or something about a player, straight away you'd have opposition come in top. That's kind of the similar kind of attitude you have there. Yeah. No reason to to. to to uh, like speak of Leinster in that in that in that kind of manner at at present time at present moment Munster is is a fabulous championship we all know that it's a fabulous championship but it's only a provincial championship to do it mm. no, if it was that competitive like why haven't clear winners or if it was that you know unique why haven't clear winners in the last twenty five years do you know what I mean like we, I think people the reason people look at Leinster 
with the with the game disdain as you said Murph he's got to look at probably the the second half of teams to look at potentially Antrim and Westmeath and Dublin and say well they're not quite as competitive as the Munster teams granted right yeah but in Kilkenny and, Gal- and Galway there's kind of nearly half shit on them yeah <laughs> so that makes sense you know yeah so I think there's also a sentiment there as well that teams for years who couldn't make it out of Munster the thing that they cling to was that actually oh Munster is so tough you know that the reason we can't get out is because it's the elite uh, championship or it's the elite provincial you know championship if you go back to the mid 2000s people were saying the only reason that Kilkenny are winning all Ireland's is because they're coming through a soft Leinster is that they're not you know having to play as many matches if that was the case they'd still be winning all Ireland's because Munster is still competitive it's you know it wasn't the reason as to why Kilkenny were winning and again like I think it's just all in the same sentiment of oftentimes I think people cling to Munster as being such a competitive which it is undoubtedly competitive championship but it's because their team often isn't coming out of it so you can maybe make excuses for why their team is coming out of it because it's so competitive and maybe a small bit more jealousy that the likes of Galway or Kilkenny get a bit more of a run I don't know like I mean you'd have to draw someone out in that conversation but which I have um, I have and I've, I've had that, that kind of comment thrown at me that that the, it's an easier run for the Leinster counties to get through to a knockout stage in Ireland. Mm. And my comment is always, if that's the case, then why don't you restructure Munster to make sure there's parity across the whole country? Yeah. And, and lead into a, a more open-style championship. Oh, you couldn't do that. Yeah. Because you can't have your cake and eat it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you, you can't, want the Munster yeah. championship, and if this, if this championship is, is, is priority to you, fine, that's grand. But then don't comment on that, on that Ireland. Yeah. If that Ireland is, prior, is priority to you, fine, let's restructure the Munster. If it's, as you say, so difficult to come out of. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, again, we go back to the Munster Championship and how, how that's perceived as a, as a religion. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> right, let's get you both to rank Leinster then. Scal, I'll give you a first shout. Give me a, a one to six in Leinster because I have no doubt your copybook has this written somewhere. Has yeah. Yeah, there you go. And would you believe, I've had to change things around a small bit. I've had to put my hand up and say, right, I'm in all evidence. Again, I, I'm saying on the present, not on what, is, what I think the teams get. Can you number one at the minute? Mm-hmm. Much that calls me to say it. <laughs> Kilkenny one, Galway two, Wexford three by the skin of their teeth. Okay. Uh, Dublin four. I actually have Antrim above Westmead at the minute. Okay. So Westmead uh, going back down to the to, to six. Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're going Kilkenny, Galway, Wexford, Dublin, Antrim, Westmead. Correct. Is your one to six? Yeah. Murph, are you changing the order? No. I was looking at mine there as he was speaking. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, yeah. Murph was preparing for a debate if I put Galway first. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually. I was just going just going to take it off and say, yeah, that's another one there now. <laughs> now, in so, fairness, you jumped to me last year when I said that Kenny were going to be clearing the semi-final. You said you have to explain yourself. So I would have, I would have just said there, explain yourself. That's all. Yeah. But no, in fairness, in fairness, you're well able to admit it when, when you need to admit it. Do you want to explain, Skell, why you're going for Wexford by the skin of their teeth into the knockout stages then? So, like, Dublin have mo- <clears throat> Dublin have Westmeath in Parnell Park. So they've, they've, they've Antrim away, right? Which I think myself is going to be two points for them. Mm. Then they have Westmeath at home in Parnell Park, which I think is two points. So they've got a four-point start, if you like, right? Wexford then have, they've got away first, which is a tricky proposition for them. Now, I'll be at the Antrim second. So I think... Galway are going to beat Wexford at the weekend. I think Dublin are going to be on four points. I think there's going to be a showdown then with, with Wexford coming to Dublin on the back of last year in a tight, in a, an open pitch, I suppose, because they're moving into Crow Park, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. 
there. So I'm just thinking this, there's potential here <clears throat> for Dublin to, to get one over on, on Wexford. Potential. I'm not saying they will. No way. I'm saying there's, there's certainly potential to it because at that stage they'll have two rounds finished. Excuse me. <clears throat> two rounds finished where you, you think they'd have two victories and then they, they roll into a showdown at Wexford. So it's... You know, I'm kind of tossing the coin here. I know I'm not giving a great explanation, but it's just, I just it see this. It probably this. will all come down to that game, though, won't it? Because yes, you would expect yeah. us, Wexford and Dublin. Now, I know there was the draw last year between Wexford and Westmead, and then Wexford pulled off the kind of great surprise against Kilkenny on the last day of the championship last year. But you would expect that Wexford would beat Antrim and Westmead, and Dublin would do the same. So, therefore, it's probably coming down to that showdown at Crow Park then. Yeah, because I, I can't, truthfully seen, I, I can't see Dublin or Wexford beating Go or Kilkenny either. Hmm. so you'd imagine that they'll, they'll win the two games in the, latter, in the lower side and lose the two games in the higher side and come down to a showdown and like Dublin going to Wexford Park last year that was a tricky proposition and they came away with results like, and grounded hmm. out now the reverse has come back and I just think Michal will have Dublin well playing for it OK um, Murph tell us why you're you're also going for Wexford to qualify ahead of Dublin yeah, yeah. Um, again, it, it is very marginal now, in fairness. Um, like looking at Dublin, Dublin, you know, had the better results really in the league, uh, even less, even performances as well, which I suppose you're, you're, you're looking for. But like when I was just coming down to it, I was just looking at the calibre of player Wexford have at the moment as well. Like it is going to come down to a straight shootout pretty much. Um, but I think just, you know, if Wexford managed to get back the players that they have at their disposal, I just think they have a small bit more than Dublin on, on, on a given day. Now, again, there's very little in that. Very, very little in that. Um, and, and Wexford could have, these if the injury concerns continue for Wexford, it could be very tricky for them going forward because there's a lot of unknowns at Wexford. I mean, we saw Dio Keefe, was it Matthew Hannan, Liam Ryan, uh, Zlee Chin is, you know, obviously we saw that he's back now as well, but, you know, Rory O'Connor's just back. The last year, Wexford had a really good league and in Dublin catching down in Wexford Park. So it just goes to show you the unknowns that are involved in it. Whereas Wexford, poor league this year. But the funny thing I would say is there, that may lead to galvanising now. They may be just happy to be done with the league. You know, they've obviously had their their, their bit of, I suppose, the bit of controversy there lately, which, look, again, it may, it may actually go to galvanise them a small bit as a group, as players, you know, and backing each other up. And, you know, they may come out fighting now as well. So there's very little in it, but I just kind of look at Wexford and say, you know, if they get things right, you know, they're a potent team. And you consider the likes of Rory O'Connor and, and those lads in these teams. A lot of these lads could, would make any team in the country as well, you know, like Salih Chin and these. So they just have that calibre of player that I think when it comes down to a straight shootout, if they don't have too many injuries, I think they have a bit much for Dublin. Okay, Let, let's have a look at their game this weekend then because you're both, I think, leaning towards uh, the result going in favour of Galway and Salt Hill on Saturday afternoon. This game is on GEA Go as well uh, for people who want to watch it. So, Scal, the last five meetings the teams have had, <coughs> Galway have had the upper hand, drawn two, including the 119 draw from last year and they won the other three meetings between the sides. You have to go all the way back to the semi-finals in 1996 for a championship win for Wexford against Galway. And you reckon that you can add an extra year to that now with Galway getting the win on Saturday? I, I do, yeah. I just think Galway's, uh, Galway's panel depth. Like, I don't think Wexford can carry a couple of energies in this championship. I think they're. I think they've got, in terms of a panel, everyone has, has a panel of twenty six or thirty. But in terms of a championship panel that can compete and and change it, out, I don't think they have, you know, nineteen or twenty top top quality boys to compete. I'm not saying Galway do either. Like, obviously, there's only one team in the country that has that. But I think Galway's, let's say, top. 
10 or 11 is is far superior to Wexford's. So if you know what I mean, so if you t- if you take the if you take two or three players out of the Galway 15, the the next 10 or 11 will will carry them through regardless of who, who's missing. I just don't think Wexford have that. And from from all signs, <clears throat> I think the the injury front for Galway is positive at the moment with those lads coming back at the right time. Um, obviously they don't have match sharpness which we spoke about last week the importance of that but you'll be hoping that they've the last couple of weeks they've um, they've got some good good uh, yardage into their legs so I'm looking at this game thinking Galway should be winning by this and like when you, when you see where Wexford came off in the league and like for I know saying Galway didn't have a, a fabulous league either but in terms of what the players they've used and the minutes they got into them and what they have at their disposal at the minute I just I think that you're looking at a 5-6 point victory for Galway home, home, home field I think while I think the pitch is supposed to be fantastic, Nick, from what I'm hearing. Weather is supposed to be okay. So it's all signs pointing to a to a, a fast start for Galway, hopefully. It feels a long time ago now at this stage, Paul, when we look back at the first time they met this year, which was the eight-point win for Galway. The game doubled up as the Walsh Cup final. It was the night of the floodlights being turned on and the Saturday night throwing game uh, between Galway and Wexford to start the National Hurling League. And like Galway were very comfortable winners. That night we were bemoaning the fact that Wexford hit as many wides and were as poor in front of goal as they were, while Galway were much more clinical. Is that game important? Because, I mean, on the face of it, it feels a long time ago now. Um, it, it's not really important in the greater scheme of things. The only way it may lead uh, to having any significance if there's a little bit of doubt has crept into one or two of the, of, of the Wexford players that they see a Galway jersey coming. That's really the only way. Like it's so long ago now and teams were getting to grips with their gameplay. Like, I mean, things happened in that game that I don't see happening again. I think Galway got 10 points on the trot, I think, in that game. Like that, that won't happen again against Wexford. Um, so I think there's not a whole lot can be taken from that game. Now I remember in that game also, you know, Galway implemented um, a really good running game during that that Wexford just couldn't cope with, which I think more fit into the fact that Wexford kind of, I suppose, left left the left the door open for Galway to do it. So there's lots of things there that I just don't see happening again. But Galway again, I agree with Skehill. Like Galway have lads coming back from injury, which will bring a freshness as well into the panel. You know, really important players coming back. They do have a strong panel. Like they have lads on the bench there that they can really call upon. Again, the significance of it being up in Galway as well. Like, I mean, you can't shy away from that either. So I just think there's there's a good few things there. But I think it's important also for Galway to get a quick start. You know, as in if there is any doubt in that Wexford team, um, in terms of seeing a Galway jersey coming, if there's any bit of a hangover from that match during the league, well, capitalize on it straight away, get a good start, remind them they're up in Galway, you know, kick on with your few points and you know, try and really build a platform there. I know every team will be looking to do that over the weekend, but the impetus is there with Galway to go and take this match. And again, every team will be looking at their home matches that they should be ones they should be winning. You know, if there's a 50-50 debate over a team, their home matches are the ones they should be winning. So look, I, I see this, I agree, six points, seven points. Um, I don't think Galway want to get dragged into a cagey match here either. You know, I think they want to start well because right. a cagey match would, yeah, that'll, that'll favour Wexford big time. Yeah. Because if it gets dragged into a cagey one, it could get dragged into a kind of a you know a siege mentality for Wexford where they smell something and they go, you know, and that's it's a terrible place to be when you're on a field and you can seem to get that momentum to get yourself clear of a team. So I think Galway will start uh, very well in this game, and I do see him winning by six or seven points. To be honest. Okay, that's the half four game GA go on Saturday, two o'clock. Scal, you've already hinted at this, so I'll give Murph first shout. Antrim against Dublin, Corrigan Park. 
2pm on Saturday. Rare enough championship meeting. They've only met once in the last 13 years in championship and that was a quarterfinal in Navan a couple of years ago where uh, Dublin went on a bit of a scoring spree. They won by three goals and 31 points to 22 points against Antrim. Antrim then went down to the McDonough Cup and came back up this year as the McDonough Cup champions. Um, look, Antrim had a solid enough league campaign with the performances that they put in. They won the important game which was against Leash to ensure they're going to be in Division 1 hurling for next year. You think, Murph, that they're going to stay up in the Championship ultimately to still be senior for next season, but you don't think they're going to get a result on Saturday? I suppose if you were to ask me now and just say, where do you see it going? I see Dublin just pipping this maybe by about four four or five points. That's what the head is saying at the moment. But I say that, you know, there's a reservation about me even saying it because, you know, you look at the last game, if I'm correct in saying the last game, Antrim played up there against Leash. You know, they, they got the crowd behind them. It was a dirty day, hurled really well. And like the story of Antrim this year was pretty much that they just couldn't get that result. You know, they were actually hurling quite well, particularly they could have beaten Watford again. Um, but just, you know, a few things not going their way, getting lads sent off and things, you know, it just, things didn't line up for them. But again, if I'm just looking at this game saying that Dublin won't fancy going to Antrim as a first game, first of all. You know, they'd much rather have them in Parnell Park. So that, that in itself, they'll know the significance of Antrim playing in Corrigan Park. Antrim do have the players to go at Dublin as well. You know, we've seen them with their Paddy Burks from cornerback and he's running at teams, going up, taking them on. When Antrim played Dublin in Parnell Park this year, again, you know, they got their goals. Keelan Malai coming through the middle there. They managed to find the, the back of the net, which is significant as well. You know, I, I know they seem like small things, but I just think if Antrim keep this game nice and tight. You know, if there's a point either way or two points either way, going in half time. You can see the likes of, you know, a Neil McManus goal or something like that, taking the momentum to Antrim. And you'll find it then that Dublin are on the back foot and they'll find it very hard to grind down this Antrim team. If this Antrim team gets their back up, I do think they're very dangerous. Uh, and I do kind of feel it that they're kind of due another big win up in Corrigan Park. So, look, being honest at the moment, from what we saw in the league, I'll say Dublin by five points. But I know you might say that I'm kind of sitting on the fence by saying it, but would not be surprised at all to be sitting here Monday morning going, what a win for Antrim, because it's not as clean cut as that Dublin are just a superior team here. So look, at the moment, it's I think this is Dublin's game, um, but I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to write off Antrim at all. Um, they, they have serious players to actually take on Dublin here. But um, and to be looking at it from the perspective, when you, when you, when you analyse it down, I know sometimes we're over analytical. From a skill base, like D- Dublin are higher than Antrim, to be honest, they are. Mm. From a physicality perspective, I reckon Dublin and Antrim, they're fairly well matched. There's not a yeah. huge goal from talent there. The home crowds, there'll be part of, there's four or 5,000 people in Corrigan Park, so that might sway it a small bit. Mm. I mean, imagine management teams beside with Dublin in that one, in terms of experience and, and how to cater. Uh, let me see what else now. See, all, all signs point to Dublin. So the only, the only way, with respect, I see Antrim winning is if they get kind of a rapturous crowd momentum just mean feed off the crowd and then pip Dublin to be honest pip mm. them I can't see Antrim winning by you know, two, three or four points it's, it'll be a point to death yeah. am I wrong in my, my assumption there what, what, what do you reckon no I'd, I'd say you're right and like the way I'd be looking at Antrim if I, if I was Antrim setting up for a game plan against Dublin I'd be looking at the fact that Dublin's um, shot decision making isn't great at times like we spoke about <clears> him against Tipperary all the, all the shots that seemed to take from the sideline came off we saw Kilkenny playing them in the park and again I, it was the one thing I was looking for that day was that they were taking shots from the sideline on the back foot and that's one thing you teach young lads is don't be shooting off the back foot particularly not at the sideline so I think what we're going to see is Antrim 
maybe sitting back that small bit more and forcing Dublin to go and take these shots. And again, if you hit enough of them wide, you know, hit a few of them, that will kill the confidence. And Antrim will take confidence from that. So I do agree that the skill... The, the skill element lies with Dublin but I think Antrim will recognise that and say well you know what let's go and play them where we're strong you know let's get in their faces let's try and force them out to the wing let's say you know that this is Corrigan Park and the fact that if, if we start to get a bit of momentum here the crowd will undoubtedly get up on our back and you know we'll have that bit of momentum so I'd agree with you you know all things being equal Dublin will come away with a win here but I just think there's a few elements here that are unknowns that if Antrim get a few things right you know, coming down the home straight, there could be a smell of it for him. Yeah, that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is it, yeah. Skell, when it comes to the low percentage shooting, and there was a lot of that in Parnell Park when Antrim met Dublin that day, like Dublin had more than enough chances to work the ball in, but they were shooting from outrageous angles. And if you've got Donald Burke in the form he was in during the league, yeah. he's going to score quite a bit. But I would think that Mial has to be working on chance creation with them in the four weeks they've had or so since. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the, the reason Dublin find themselves shooting in these kind of crazy, crazy angles, as we, as we call it, is because of the opposition they're facing. The, like, the more quality opposition, the better defenders. You find yourself coming with, with half chances, quarter chances, not clear-cut chances. So I think Dublin have the ability to break down Antrim. And say Michal has that in his, in his, in his sights, that like, the, the, there's not a necessity here to, to shoot from the 65 on the sideline or to shoot from your own centre-back position. That they, they have the hurlers that they can move Antrim around and get their, get their defence displaced so that can create channels. And I see Dublin running Antrim an awful lot. I don't see long shots from Dublin, to be honest. I just see an awful lot of athleticism running, running at Antrim, running through them and get their defence to make decisions. And I, I, I can't see any other way Dublin are going to play. Like I, That mightn't work against the Tipperary's, Kings of Galway's, um, because the quality of defender or, or, or defence setup would be higher than Antrim, to be honest. But like, it, should work. it should work in this instance. So I, I, I'd be very surprised now, lads, if we're sitting here next week and we're talking about Dolan Burke coming away with 12 points and five or six of them are from 80 yards. You know, mm. if he comes away with 12 points, I'd imagine he'll get his normal set of frees and three or four points from within the 45, you know, within a, within a, a, a reputable shooting zone. So, and I, I can see Dolan get a couple of goals in Antrim too, playing far more direct, because that's, that's the Michal style, to be honest, to play direct and fast and utilise your full forward lane with oncoming runners. Mm. So I can't see a situation whereby Dublin don't adopt that plan. And if they do, that means Antrim have, I, I suppose, packed out defence, like playing with a sweeper, potentially, most likely, <laughs> to be honest, you know, and playing with a deep, deep, a deep 10 players, I think so. So, um, But I still, think, I still see Dublin running through them is the wrong phrase to use, but I think running at them an awful lot. And then probably having a lot of outball in, in terms of shots from kind of, if they're with the post, 40 to 50 yards out. Mm. Work in progress at this stage. Absolutely, yeah. Murph Kilkenny committed to this game against Westmead, 6pm on Saturday at Nolan Park, obviously off the back of the league final defeat. Probably, we remember last year where Westmead were right in the game at half-time in Cusick Park and a certain TJ Reid came in at half-time, played a pretty important role. Kilkenny ended up scoring 5.23 and coming out comfortable enough victors in the round-robin last season. How many of those players that we haven't seen particularly I'm going to name TJ because he was held back for the entire league how does Derek Ling approach this game does he start introducing players back in and getting close to his championship 15 or is this a game to maybe continue to experiment a little bit at the start of the championship no I think you go now um, and start putting real proper shape in terms of you know it's an ideal time to introduce TJ back into it if TJ is fit and there's no worries about him you know he's back into the team. It's 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 a kind of an ideal start, really, if you are planning on introducing any players back in. Um, 
And even as well, the fact that obviously we had the under 20s playing at the weekend. So that rules them out. Isn't, isn't that correct? That's, seven that's them. Seven days. Yeah. So they're, they're out. Um, for this match so again it's it's kind of an ideal time to reintroduce the likes of TJ with Billy Drennan after playing there at the weekend as well so um, I, I think it's a good start for Kilkenny but like you said last year you know it's it's that thing of you don't want any element of complacency going into these games because you know what's me to be delighted coming down to Nolan Park to take on Kilkenny and really give it a good rattle uh, and there, there's a thing if you start games anyway slow sometimes it's very hard to kickstart it so Kilkenny will want to start really fast here I think any player who gets a jersey for Saturday evening um, you know would look at what's coming the following week they'll want to make a good impression for Kilkenny as well because in fairness to Derek you know he has moved things around he's moved players around he's, some lads have been very consistent within the team but I think if you're getting a jersey on Saturday night you want to be kind of holding on to it for the following week against Galway then so that's where the, I think that's where the challenge lies for Westmead really as well is because I think lads will be looking over the shoulder going okay this is the first year of a new manager we've tried a good few players if I'm in the team on Saturday night I want to make sure that I hold on to this jersey for the following week and hopefully that's where Kilkenny get a bit of impetus from and actually go at this game because it's again it's a dirty one if you get involved in terms of slow start you know Westmead have the players there to get a few scores and you know draw it into a battle um, shouldn't be happening with Kilkenny but you know the potential is there that's up to half time but I, I just think where Kilkenny are the bit of freshness they have that I, I don't think they'll start this game slowly I think we'll see similar enough to the Leash game up in up in Port Leash as well where they just you know go out there get the win uh, and all focus turns to the following week yeah, I think the reality scale is that Westmead will be practical about where they think they're going to pick up their points here. So when it came to the National Hurling League Division 1 this season, it was always going to be about the relegation playoffs. So they knew they were going to find themselves in that position and they were able to beat Leash and stay up. In this case, the games they're going to target will be Wexford, Dublin, Antrim, as opposed to I don't think Westmead will expect to take something from either Kilkenny or Galway. Yeah, and I have a note written here beside it, a full strength question mark with Westmead. If you're a Westmead manager now, do you? And like we see what uh, injuries did to Leash last year when they basically got decimated, mm-hmm. and then it became a snowball effect, and it just got worse and worse and worse because they didn't have the personnel, to be honest, to compete at, compete with with, with panels or teams that had stronger panels and more numbers. So like, do Westmead throughout their strongest fifteen against Kilkenny and Galway, knowing that potentially it's it is going to be a defeat, you know, and that there's going to be injuries. Like they're going to have to box a bit smart here because priority is to stay up in the championship. That's I think that's that's pretty evident. And it's going to come down to a showdown, as you said, with, with Antrim and with Dublin. Maybe not Dublin, but we, 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 it's definitely Antrim. It's going to have to showdown with Antrim, to be honest. There's potential to get, to get, to get a, a scalp with, with Dublin and Wexford, but not likely, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just think for the first round of the championship, start as you mean to go on. Go to strongest 15, go hard as you can, and then play what's in front of you. If at 35, 40 minutes the game has completely got away from you, then it's time then to look, look, uh, look, look further afield because uh, you don't want to be you know, finishing the game 20 points down and still having your top 15 players on the pitch when you run another game coming in a week's time. So it's um, it's potential to be a long championship for Westmead if they don't box smart, but I'd say they will, to be honest. Okay. This brings me to the point where we all kind of take a breath for a second and try and work out the next question, which is never easy. And we'll probably end up ripping it up in a week's time anyway. I want your five in both cases, how Munster is going to finish up. So, Murphy, you can go first. first. Yeah. Oh, one, one, two, three, four, five on Munster. I yeah. bet you I can guess who's going to be number one, but I... <laughs> I don't know if you know. Let me, let me think now, right? Jesus, bear bear in mind, be- before the lad's name, all three of us <laughs> declared fifth last year. 
Did we? Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! This is we, tough now. We took an awful slagging for it, Scal. That's my memory of it. Yeah. See, the, it, there's a fair high probability here that you'll be swallowing your pride on Monday morning, considering Claire and Tipper <laughs> yeah. play. Because that is the toughest one, probably, mm-hmm. to call at the yeah. moment. Right, let me have a look at it here now, right? Oh, Jesus. Um. Oh, gee, God forbid we'd, we'd pose this to ourselves before the podcast. Yeah, I was, I was pretty sure you'd have this written down where you go, do you know what, actually, I have a fair idea now that this was probably going to come up. Yeah, right. I'm going to go for it, so. Right. <sighs> My my five at the moment, right? Limerick on top, Grant. That was the way. I'm going to go with Cork tip Clare Washford. Cork to get the Munster final. Tip. Sorry, who was fourth again? Clare Washford. Waterford bottom. Davy Fitz is sticking this on the dressing room wall already ahead of the weekend. <laughs> I don't think we're that important, are we? That <laughs> say he's aware of some of the stuff you say all the same. Oh, yeah. Emmerich, Cork, Tip, Claire, Waterford. Okay, yeah. Scal? Uh, I have no change. Oh, jeez. Ah, no. I tell you. Emmerich, Cork, Tip, Claire, Waterford. No, we haven't come to an agreement where we're just, we're, 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 we've said that we're not agreeing with each other, Anthony. This just happens to be, we're agreeing twice now today, okay? Is that it? Which is probably the most we've agreed in a single podcast in history. We've definitely never agreed twice in a row anyway. We've never done that. Yeah, great. great. That'd be wrong entirely. I know, but in fairness, like, you know, you're saying Limerick, like, so obviously Limerick on top, but like, Bar Cork's performance against Kilkenny, you know, they were they were moving well. You can't really deny them to. Tip, Tip were, were consistent during the league, you know. They were they were impressive to watch. They seemed fairly... Um, clinical about how they're going about their business again like I mean Claire it's no offence to Claire but like I mean look Claire players coming back they were in not to say a worse position last year but you couldn't see them doing anything you can't see them doing something this year certainly with the players they have um, and then Watford you know Watford haven't just filled you with confidence at all yet uh, in, in with their league and again you can't see what they're about at the moment and I don't think we'll learn a whole lot more after this weekend anyway so that's just where my fight is coming from Scale, why are you putting Cork second? Um, I just think that like home home games come for a lot as well. Will uh, I, I read more completely? Like, and you know, I, I just Cork have. It's, it's very hard to explain this now. They've, they've used an exuberance at the minute, right? They had a fairly positive league, you know. Truthfully speaking, but if you look at the Kenny game, it's, it's easy to pick pick negatives, and of course we did too, right? But they just they have a good squad. They have. What I mean by good squad, they have good squad in all positions. So they have like good defenders and they have lads who can come into that position. They have good forwards and lads who can, who can add as well. Robbie O'Flynn hopefully will be back. All going well. You know, we'll see a more a more complete introduction of Lahan, Harrendy, Horgan, etc. on a more level basis. Fitzgibbon, etc. You know, so your signs are pointing towards Cork putting on a good run here. New management team, full of exuberance. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, to be honest. And I, I have been a harsh critic of them in the past because they haven't backed up big results with another big result or big performance. Um, we were saying that they were going to go down with a big performance to Kinney and they didn't so I'm, but again I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt and say that they can put a good run together and at least get out I have them back I have them at second because I don't know what I'm going to get from Tipper Clare <laughs> to be honest yeah. I just don't know what I'm going to get from them you know like I did not expect at all Clare to go on the run that they did last year and produce like what they did magic in the championship last year I didn't mm. expect that will that be repeated this year it's hard for me to say it will be you know, there's always there's always a possibility, but I can't say with with clear with clear, you know, um, intent of the will. I just 
I can't. And like Morph said, the tip and clear game, there's so much rides in that. I'd prefer if you came back to me in seven days' time and asked me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> a much, I, it's a much easier question in seven days' time. Or it, it is, is yeah. 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 Like, and look, clear could turn over Tipperary quite easily. I won't say easily, but it could easily happen. They turn over Tipperary at the weekend and the landscape changes entirely here. Or Tipperary could go away and just, you know, do with a bullish, bullish type Liam Cahill type performance and come away with two points. I just don't know. It's toss of kind stuff, if you ask me. Mm. Your team, they're in first place. I quite like Gerald Hegarty's attitude. So he was up in front of the media today um, with our sponsors, Borgosh Energy, ahead of the championship getting underway. And he was asked about the fact that maybe it's getting to a point now that people are getting a bit sick of the fact that Limerick have been so dominant. So Limerick are going for six All-Irelands in seven seasons, four in a row if they were to win it this year. Uh, they're also going for five consecutive Munster titles and they come in as league champions. Hegarty said in Crow Park today, quote, I grew up in the era of the great Kilkenny team in the 2000s. In any household and in my household, no matter who they were playing, you always were supporting the opposition. Obviously, Limerick were in the All-Ireland final in 2007 and I was there for it. That's the team we want to be. You want to be the team that everyone wants to lose. There's reasons for that because obviously they've been successful as we've been for the last few seasons. We relish the position. We take it on and we use it as a positive. We don't shy away from it. I know exactly what you're on about, i.e. people getting sick of Limerick, because I remember that about Kilkenny when I was growing up, believe me. It's a massive compliment that everyone wants to beat you. End quote. Yeah. And I was speaking to man at the weekend whereby we were kind of comparing Kilkenny of the you know mid 2000s and that, that team let's say in 12, 13, 14 along uh, into 15 and we're saying it never felt or put it, as a goal person we always felt we had a chance Kilkenny. That chance might have been strong. You know, It might have been a 100% chance but we had a chance that we could turn them over and sometimes we did you know. But with Limerick at the minute I just it's it's, I have this feeling that like if we went against them we've we've very little chance <laughs> do you know what I mean it's just that's the kind of juggernaut you face at the moment um, it's very hard for me to compare eras very hard for me to compare who would, who would play you know who would win if they had both kind of similar training regimes etc but I can't disagree with what he said it, it is like everyone is sick of Limerick because they're so good at the same time we admire them because they're so good and they keep producing it and they're up in the levels that's the thing there's no sign of them to regress at all they keep going up and up. They're a far better team now than they were this time last year and the year before, etc. So that's why we said the ceiling for them is, is, is unknown at the minute. Um, but like that, when they keep winning, they'll be disliked. It's, a great, it's an envious position for everyone else and it's up to everyone else to catch them. Yeah, he went on to say then as well that uh, whatever the be viewing any of this is motivation, the fact that there may be teams are you know, say being rooted for when they play against them. Uh, they say the re- he says the really important thing though is the competition internally. Paul, he says that's all the motivation you need is that we've got so much competition within our group. That's what pushes us forward as opposed to outside perceptions. So that's a guy who's won it all in his eighth season so far. He's going to try and potentially win a fourth Lee McCarthy in a row. But if they are to continue to be successful, I know some of the comments that come in, so we can talk about this in a bit more detail in a little bit, but if Limerick are to continue to be successful, they're going to need that type of internal motivation to keep them going, doesn't it? They need that. Yeah, like I think that's where the real fuel actually comes from because 99% of what they're doing is actually training and it's, you know, going to a gym and it's being part of a group. Like we see the one or 2% that's them on a pitch playing a Monster Championship. You know, they put in so many sessions away from that that the real joy has to come from being part of the group and, you know, pushing each other on. And I, I completely understand. And when you're on top and you're you're winning and you're successful, there is that, like often often it's the underdog team to try and get the siege mentality, but often as well, when you're in that position of being on top and people want to see you lose, 
that's where the real siege mentality actually comes from. And I think, you know, if you've ever experienced it in your lifetime, you know that, like, he, I'm sure Grode Hegarty goes places now and people say stuff to him, you know, as in uh, other fans of other counties and different things. And, you know, it's that day-to-day stuff that they'd be getting uh, in their workplace or they go to a different county or they do the launch, whatever, in Crow Park. And, you know, it, it's, it's people not meaning any harm or anything like that, but, you know, I suppose saying that we nearly got you this day or whatever like this, or I'm from Clare or I'm from wherever. Uh, and you guarantee the boys will be getting the bit between their teeth there because they'll be going, they're only out to prove that it's not just the thing of going collecting silverware. It's every day they go out, they're going to say that we're the best team and we want to show how good we are. And it's not a case of them getting nervous or anything or them thinking, oh, the whole place is out to get us. They just look at each person in the dressing room and go, isn't this an absolutely brilliant place to be? Look at the talent in the dressing room. If I get a jersey here today, that's an achievement in itself. But get to go out there and, you know, perform the first 15 is, is incredible. So completely understand where he's coming from. And it, it, it's actually great. It's refreshing nearly to hear his point of view saying, you know, I completely understand where they're coming from and that's where I want to be. It's great. It's, it's a brilliant attitude, you know. Hmm. I had to correct myself in my head there. It'd be five Lee McCarthy's in six seasons. I was thinking a month before that. So 18, tip 19, and then Limerick have won the three yeah. cents. So they'd be going That's for right. five and six seasons if they were to win this year. And who knows? They could well still be going for six and seven next season uh, with the way things are shaping up. Um, but the game at the weekend, Skell, this is Waterford against Limerick. When we look back on last year, second round of the Munster Championship, it was as close as Waterford have got since 2011. That was the game where they ran it down the stretch. And everyone came out of that game thinking... Waterford are probably going to kick on. Actually, they've shown they can be competitive with Limerick. Just not quite got there, but maybe we'll have an interesting second encounter, which then never came again after the Munster round robin. But under Kylie, Limerick have been imposingly impressive against Waterford. So if we go back to 2019, Limerick 224, Waterford 10 points in the round robin. In the Munster final the year afterwards, Limerick won by four, 25 points to 21. Uh, Then it stretched out for the All-Ireland final later in the year when Limerick won by 30 points to 19. Uh, Limerick then won the the semi-final on the day of the Bales of Hay in 2021 by 125 to 17 and then 30 points to 221 in the round robin last season that isn't a very very impressive championship record for John Kiley's Limerick against Waterford in recent years Gal. it's first class <laughs> you know and if you're to graph <clears throat> where, where are both teams at the minute in, in, in comparison to last year that fixture you would say Limerick have, have climbed a couple of steps obviously climbed the Hogan's end but they've, they've climbed a couple of steps in their performance levels and, and Washford have, have regressed. They've gone down the way. So you said the degree of separation between both teams has actually increased as opposed to decreased. We sat here last year thinking, you know, Watford put up a, a commendable performance, probably their best performance against the Limerick team in a few years. Mm-hmm. It was actually better than what they produced there in final against them, you know, especially being away in the Gaelic grounds. Um, and you were expecting them. I was I definitely expecting them to, to move forward, kick on, and possibly have a showdown further on in the year. And we thought they'd meet again in the potential Ireland final. Didn't happen. So... A lot has happened since then. Player changes, managerial changes, um, but I don't think the result's going to change either. Like the fact that this is Watford's home game, quote unquote, uh, is taking place in Torres. Um, and Liam Gordon is, I think, is the referee, and he says it's quite an open ref. So, again, it's all signs are pointing towards Limerick, who have everything going in their favour. Like the only thing I can see Limerick getting bet uh, in this instance is that. An awful lot of the non-controllables have to go against them. That, what I mean by that is referee decisions. I mean weather. I mean injuries. I mean, you know, all the stuff that Limerick can't control themselves. They have to pile up and then that has to go in favour of Watford. And I just, you know, the chances that happen are, are probably slim enough, to be honest. Um, and all that, with all that being said, 
Limerick are completely battle-hardened and match-sharp. The panel as a whole, not just the 15, but their panel, they've like 20, 23 lads that have been used in and out over the last number of leagues, leagues or, or league games, let's say, regardless of the importance of the match, whether it be league final, semi-final, like they, they put out first 15s that we didn't expect in each game. We thought they'd go strong on every... On the league final, etc. They didn't go strong, but they didn't go their strongest. So if they go their strongest here with their full complement, you know, I think the result is on the wall here, to be honest. I think the right is on the wall, excuse me, especially with the uh, Waterford missing the players they have and you're looking at Limerick, I think they'll eight points. You know? Yeah, I sketched down John Kelly's record in championship in the six seasons earlier today as well. So 31 matches, 124, drew two, lost five, which is just absolutely remarkable even leaving the silverware to one side even in the games that are regular round robin the record has been imposing in the six seasons that he's been in charge I mean Murph I don't need to ask you about the result on this because putting Waterford bottom of your rankings before it starts you're not thinking that Waterford are going to turn over Limerick and then lose the rest of their games so you're expecting a Limerick win on Sunday afternoon Yeah it's, it's just at the moment it's very hard to see where a Waterford win is going to come from like there's I don't know one area, there isn't one area where Watford um, are stronger than Limerick. Um, I, to be honest, I, I, I'd go further again than saying it's going to be eight points. I think this could be well into the teens, to be honest. Um, no, I'm just saying with that Limerick team, like, I mean, like if we saw the league final there, like again, it's just every time you're looking at them, you're kind of saying, have they gone up a level again, you know? Um, and, and we speak of players wanting to grab jerseys, you know, I just... Again, there's players in that Limerick dressing room that are just going, this is a chance for me to go and showcase what I have and, you know, every opportunity I have to take it. And I think that could be to the detriment of Watford. Um, like, again, Watford during the league, like, if they sit back on Limerick like that, Limerick will just relish it and eat them alive. We're talking about crowding out the space with Limerick. I, I don't see Watford doing that. Um, Watford would have to bring something to this game we just have not seen with them under Davy yet. So I don't know what that's going to be, and I don't think they'll have, um, I don't think they'll have the firepower to do it anyway. I mean, we've seen in some corners of people even asking the question: Do Watford hold back in this game mm. because you know and, and hold themselves for the following week against Cork in the following week? Like you know, that, that's what people are saying. So uh, I don't know. I just don't see where it's going to come from. And being honest, <laughs> I'd go up around the twelve-point mark or maybe a little bit more uh, for Limerick here. I know it sounds harsh on Watford, but I just, I just don't see it. Okay. Is that because, Murphy, you don't think that the way that Waterford have been hurling and their approach so far this year is going to be enough to actually stifle Limerick? Is that the main issue coming into this? Or is that you saying this is going to be 10 plus points is down hugely to the fact that Limerick have been so impressive? Or is it a bit of both? Ah, it's a bit of both. Um, like, I mean, if, again, if Waterford go and, and hurl with Daisy Hutchinson down around the middle of the field, that's already their most creative um, score maker there in terms of getting a goal or anything like that um, if they have him out in the middle of the field I don't think they will I think they put him back in or towards the edge of the square but you know we looked at like of Owen Cody there against Limerick and that and he found it quite hard and that's a player who's on form you know who's in, who was you know sitting within a team who kind of knows what they're about at the moment and Kilkenny found it quite hard Mossy Keown Billy Drennan these lads they found it hard whereas Watford we didn't know really what their structure was during the league. looked quite defensive. We speak about when teams go very defensive against Limerick, Limerick will just pop balls over from distance. They won't go for goals. That's fine. They'll just keep shooting the lights out. If Watford do push up on Limerick, I don't see them having the defence to go man for man with Limerick. So there's just so many elements to it here where I just think, you know, Turles will suit. I, Welsh Park, if anything, would actually would suit Watford a bit more, but just Turles to Limerick, second nature, 
uh, there's too many things they're moving too well at the moment um, so I'd, I'd say we'll look a bit of both there just a bit of both from Waterford's side Right okay um, that is 2 o'clock that is the RTE game on Sunday afternoon GA go uh, for the game in Ennis which is Clare against Tipperary this is such an important match uh, last year Clare went to Thurless won by 8 points uh, you were there Skell things have kind of gone a bit off the boil for Tipperary and there was that feeling that maybe even change was in the air at that point uh, with Colin Bonner but uh, Clare were very impressive 321 to 216 went on to hurl very well in the Munster final against Limerick afterwards gave Limerick their toughest test of the 2022 season um, this time around this is huge like, this has a different a, a different feel to it because it wasn't like Tipperary were going into that game where it felt like they were beating docket within the round robin before the game this time around both teams are coming into it really really important and this game could be decisive to see who qualifies yeah but if you, if you cast your mind back to it months ago too there was a lot of internal pressure on Colin Bonner if you remember like I think um, you know like William Maher came out on Tip FM speaking you know, pretty negatively about Colin and his efforts to date and there was kind of this there was nearly a question by were they going to step down mid-championship if you remember so I think the, the, the landscape in Tipperary has changed drastically and I think everyone was, is, is content that Liam Cahill is definitely the best candidate at the time and now he's kind of his ethos has been implanted into Tipperary which is like you know gung-ho powerball work your socks off run through everyone you know, maximum effort, etc. That's, that's that's everything you need to go up to Innes and take to try to take your results against Clare. So that's why it makes it so difficult. You know, if it was the same Tipperary team as this time last year, you'd be saying Clare victory, no problem. Uh, but now I just don't know. And look, Tipperary accounts themselves pretty well, you have to say, for a period against Limerick. But again, a, a, a little, a couple of uh, you would say tactical changes negated their whole game plan against Limerick, and it turned into a whitewash at the end. So you're thinking, will will Clare try to adopt the same? you know, blueprints. Will they look at the Limerick second half or particularly second half and say, right, that's how we're going to attack Tipperary here now and imprint, imprint that and on the same side of the argument, will Tipperary have assessed that themselves and go, right, this is how we've been attacked. Let's go in and nullify that ourselves and rectify it. So there's so many options here for the way that this game can go. There's, I think there's a lot of games within the game, if that makes sense. Tactical switches and, and whatnot and even, even player selections. I, it's such a hard one to call, but just I feel like Tipperary seem to be on the way up I think at the start of the league this year especially with the impressive results against Kilkenny below Northern Park you know that was kind of a milestone albeit early in the year don't get me wrong and a pretty oh, not bad performance against probably the best team we've ever seen so it's just it's just it's leading me in the direction of you know uh, giving them tipping my hat to them over Clare but again no more and more for saying about Antrim Dublin I wouldn't be surprised if I'm here Monday morning saying Clare after beating Tipperary it's just it's such a difficult one to call and again that's, as I said that's the beauty of sport it's, it's a yeah. uh, it's a game that we, we don't want to be able to call these games but quite easily. This is a good one that I'm looking forward to and thinking, this is, as you said yourself, this is the game of the weekend. Um, but I'm going to probably just go with Tipperary just because I think they're, they're heading in the right direction and they seem to have a bit about them this year. Hmm. Paul, I think if you're assessing this, you base it on one of two things. You either say, we've seen enough from Tipperary, uh, they won five of their six games, they put in a really good half against Limerick, showed the direction they're going in and they're on an upper curve going into Championship. Or you look at it and say, Clare had an OK league in Division 1A, nothing to be overly worried about, but their championship performances from last year, Kilkenny aside, would indicate that this Clare team can get back up to that level. If that Clare team gets to that level, I'd almost expect them to win on Sunday. Exactly, yeah. I mean, if Clare produce what they produced last year, um, 
they, they win this game. I don't think there's any doubt over that. They were, they were, you know, so comprehensive last year, Monster, but nobody saw that coming. So that's, I suppose, something that maybe Clare fans are looking to. And, you know, we've seen a lot of talk from Clare supporters as well, also saying that, you know, Brian Lowell will be happy with his league and, and different things and that they're, they're reorganising and, and, and certain things. If we even saw a spark, I suppose, from Clare before the end, um, of the league, you might say, actually, there's something here. But look, if, if, a few big things for Clare. Like if Tony Kelly kicks at the weekend, that could that could decide everything. Like you don't know, but he didn't towards the end of the league. So we can only work off what we're looking at. Uh, and Tipperary have been when there's been an opportunity there for Tipperary, they've taken it. You have to give them that credit at the moment. So like this match, for example, might come just a, a game too early for Clare, for example. Like they might take a lot from this game, and it might kick start their year, and they could still have a, a, a fantastic year. But at the moment, you just have to work off of what you're after seeing in the league. You know, when Clare played Limerick in the league, they didn't kick at any stage. Where Tipperary played Limerick in the league, they gave it a fair good rattle. They went after it, they tried their very best. Um, and then, like you said, five out of six games for, uh, for for Tipperary to win. So you just have to go with what what all the, the, the results are telling you. Um, but even so, even with that, like we said, this is the game we want to watch because... We just, there's nothing comprehensive here. There's no definites in this whatsoever. And then again, you have to factor in the fact that Tipperary do have a few injuries also, you know, a few important players there. So it's. And you have the suspension of David Fitzgerald to consider her too. Exactly, yeah. So there's lots. And David Fitzgerald, again, this time last year was crucial for Clare, absolutely crucial for him, particularly even just driving forward there and supporting the attack. So there's a lot of elements here, but like Scott is saying, this is what you want. If you don't want to be able to go and pull this apart and go, this is the winner, that's it, no point in even watching the game. This is why we want to watch this game, because there's so many unknowns here, there's so many question marks, and it's it's exactly what you want from Championship. It's just going to transpire in front of your eyes. And the one other thing we haven't said is, I've always found Ennis is a tough place to go, you know, and Claire, Claire get good support there, and they hurl well there. So... Yeah, that, that could be an element that comes into it. But look, Tony Kelly, for example, Tony, if, if, if he kicks, that's worth eight points to Clare uh, through him scoring more creating them. So, but like the moment, you just have to give you have to give credit to Tipperary and say that they are just marginally the favourites coming to this game based on form. Hmm. It's a tough run for Clare as well, is the other thing I consider <clears> is that it works, I think, better if you've got your break either at the start or in the middle. So Cork have got that extra week to get ready before coming into Championship yeah. or the other teams are going to have a break in the middle. In the case of Clare, they go out week on week. So you've got Clare and Tip first week. Clare then go to Limerick six days later. Uh, then you've got Clare on the road to Waterford nominally to go to Semple Stadium on May the 6th. Then they're out on May the 21st as well playing Cork at home at Ennis. And then their break week, so to speak, is on the last week of May, which if you've already qualified for the final, great. You get an extra week's break. But I think that's tough to go four weekends on the bounce there for Clare and then to have their week off at the end. I think sometimes, Scala, when it comes to it, the actual fixture list can make a big difference too. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that, that's the that's one of the issues, very few issues, but one of the issues of having a five-team championship is that one team uh, is going to get the short, the short straw and be out on the fifth weekend. You know, so like it's just it's it's the nature of it at the minute. And I was going to make an NFL comparison there about the bye weeks. But oh, one Now there is there is a break week by the way in the third week of May where everyone gets yeah, a week off. But they are the team who have to play week on week for the four consecutive even take, even, rounds. Just even take their first. Okay, let's let's just take it in, in little mini competitions. Take their first two games. You know, within six days, that's two extremely extremely physical games against two very very physical teams. So for them to go ahead and try to get themselves up, and we've we've all, we talk about it more for like 
I can attest to this myself. It's hard to get up for a game, then come back down like and rest, you know, and then get back up for a big game again. It's, it is it is very draining mentally and physically. So when you have to get up, first round of the championship against Tipperary, home game, yeah, there's, a, there's a certain amount of pressure now because it's your home game. You have to win it, knowing that you're going to Limerick next week and not expected to win in the away ground. So you're, you're you're trying to get two points. If that doesn't go go well, you're heading to Limerick. You know, you could potentially have zero points after two rounds, and then with two more games to come. Sore yeah. bodies, you know, t- heavy legs, mentally fatigued. So it's a very, very tough start for Clare. Um, and like prob- probably of all the teams in the provinces, it probably, it is, it's the toughest start for any county. You know, the first two weeks, definitely Clare have the, have the hardest uh, first couple of weeks. So mm. it's a tricky one for them. No, I'm not trying to dismiss Waterford's effort against Limerick, but at the end of the day, we're expecting them to come through uh, handily enough. But like, here we are, Clare and Tipperary, can't call it. They're coming up against a very physical team who have high energy, um, and then going to Limerick. So yeah, I don't pity them well. <laughs> no, it's, it's a it's a very very tough start. Right, you guys get ready for the questions. Then have come in in the comments from the listeners. I'll tell you what happened to the Joe McDonough Cup on the weekend just gone by. All the games were on Sunday afternoon this week, and our old buddy Jim McCarthy was making the point earlier on that he tuned into the Sunday game last night. And he was disappointed that there wasn't more shown from the McDonough Cup, particularly when there were only two Ulster football games on at the weekend. And so it was a priority given to that and to the National Camogie Division 1A final, as opposed to much being shown from the Joe McDonough at all. Uh, Offaly and Clare was streamed on Clubber, but I just think there's maybe a way of GA Go could possibly, particularly on a really quiet weekend, because GA Go springs into action with football and hurling games this weekend, that maybe they could have shown a bit more from the Joe McDonough but uh, the results were fairly comprehensive in two of the games and a draw in a game between two contenders for the final so Leash put up their biggest championship total of all time 724 to Downs 14 points uh, thanks to Leash GA Bible uh, for the info he was counting the score going up along and going back through the results to just double check uh, well, once they reached 723 that was their highest scoring total of all time uh, Stephen Bergen with a hat-trick for Leash so that gets them back on track after their loss against Offaly in the first round uh, for down it's more damage to their scoring difference it's a very uh, demoralising first couple of games they lost 126 to 114 in the first game against Kerry and then hammered at Leash Hyrule Moore Park yesterday at Hawkfield it was Kildare against Offaly Hawkfield will also be the venue uh, for Kildare against uh, Kerry this weekend uh, but Offaly doing all their work in the first half they scored 218 in the first half and then went on to finish on 222. So uh, that maybe gives you an impression of how low scoring they were and how much their foot came off the pedal um, after half time. But Keelan Kiley and Owen Cattle scoring goals during the game. Uh, they won by 222 to Kildare's 311. So awfully your top of the standings after two rounds. And Kerry got themselves a late equaliser in a game that was a complete and utter arm wrestle. I think at different times, Carlo went two points up. Kerry came back it was a one point game right down the stretch and Kerry scored an equaliser with the last puck of the game so 21 points apiece uh, between Kerry and Carlo uh, set things up very interestingly at the top of the table ahead of the round of games which are on this Saturday Offaly will play against Down that's top against bottom you've got a derby between Carlo and Leash uh, where Carlo will be uh, looking to continue their unbeaten start Leash will be looking to make it two in some three and Kerry go to Kildare in a game that Kildare are going to have to win if they've any chance of reaching the final Kerry have made a pretty impressive start with a win and a draw so far so that's where the Joe McDonough Cup is ahead of the weekend games and then they get a break until the weekend of May the 7th so these week after week games for Kildare and Offaly at least come to a close uh, before they get a break week next week 